We're at the midway point of the NBA season, and we have a midseason assessment of your Utah Jazz today, a blunt and honest look at the big picture, the core pieces, the developmental pieces, and the veterans, and how it impacts the trade deadline. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Today's show, it is the mid-season assessment show of the Utah Jazz. After two losses to Oklahoma City and Houston, we will look at the big picture, what Will Hardy has built, whether progress has been made, whether we're seeing the cultural things we want to see, the core pieces. We'll call that Lowry Markin and Colin Sexton and John Collins. What have we learned about those three pieces and where they fit? The developmental six, I'll call it, which is Walker Kessler, Ochai Baji, Keontae George, Taylor Hendricks, Lucas Samanich, and Taylor Horton Tucker. And then the veteran four or five, the veteran five, or no, the veteran four, Kelly Olenek, Chris Dunn, Jordan Clarkson, and Simone Fontecchio, and how they all fit with the trade deadline climbing. We'll give an assessment of all that. Come up here on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. I am David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz. It's your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Give you insight, expertise, geeky numbers and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day thank you for making locked on jazz your first listen of the day now please subscribe for free we are free and available on all podcasting apps and on youtube so please hit the subscribe the follow button or the subscribe button and then on youtube hit that little bell button that notifies you whenever the show goes out we greatly appreciate you for doing so if you want to take an extra second give us a five-star review those are always loved and on youtube that equivalent is the thumbs up button if you're watching the video thank you very much and to the everydayers you're the best thank you for making lockdown a part of your every single day you can do that easily we're here for you monday through friday for 30 minutes each and every day today's show is brought to you by linkedin jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on mba that's linkedin.com slash locked on mba to post your job for free terms and conditions apply all right halfway season assessment right now the jazz come into this uh it's a little past obviously halfway as we come in at 22 and 22 on the season a dead solid 500 one of the hotter teams in the nba currently 10th in the western conference um nine games out of the lead spot tied with the lakers houston rockets are still game back warriors are two games back and the kings and the suns have separated a little bit two and a half ahead of us all right but the Kings have lost four in a row and seem to be really. Uh, that's not where I would start on this, on the standings. That's where we sit. But I don't think that big picture we sit. Number one, I think that's the biggest positive of everything involved with the Utah Jazz right now is that we're competitive. Will Hardy's used a phrase a few times that losing cannot go numb. You cannot, it cannot go numb on losing. Will has been, I think, fabulous and in, in probably we're dying day to day with games. And I think in games, Will is dying game to day with games, but then has a perspective on things outside of the game, that where we are as a franchise, what's moving, what's happening, all those kind of things. Um, and, but I think you can't have what Houston had the last two years. Like you're watching Jalen green 
just not having totally developed. You're watching their development so much better right now. And there is this interesting concept that if you actually look at rebuilds and where they've come from, more of them have come from the middle than the bottom. We can get into that a little bit. Zach Lowe alluded to this. The bottom, going purely to the bottom and bottoming out and acquiring all this and working your way up. Oklahoma City seems like they're on, on their verge. They've got three fabulous players. But if you actually, you know, there's been a lot of teams who've tried this who stay down for a long, long time. Um, so I think that's the first thing. And maybe the most important thing is that there's a competitiveness to this group and to the franchise still, to the way they're playing. And they're not, there's not a sham to the, to the game. The second one is, I think they've found things. The zone, the way they're playing offense, they've adjusted throughout the year. Um, you know, Will talks a lot about a trust being built amongst them that will, that, you know, the players have to believe him and what he's doing, but it actually takes some time and some understanding and some trust for that to be built. And I think we, I think we've seen that. Um, and the last one I think we've seen that's really the big picture, most important is a culture and a buy-in. And maybe that's related to that, but you know, Will recently alluded to show love um, as kind of an underlying theme of this season. Last year was team 49. We're seeing a, a young head coach who understands how to build a culture of a franchise and send you in the correct direction. And I think, you know, from a big picture standpoint, do we have like leadership culture, foundational aspects to, to that's leading the franchise in the right direction? If you don't have upper management, head coaching, ownership, leadership that's taking you in the right direction. Eh, it do doesn't really matter, right? Um, you know, Oklahoma City certainly has that with Sam Presti and Mark Dagnall. We'll, we'll see on that ownership group. They have they actually haven't shown the, the, the ability to step through when they have to um, and whether or not they, they have it. Well, you know, you look at the, the build in various places, it will be interesting to see what has to be done. Um, I think Milwaukee ha has... They're not in a rebuild anymore, but when they when they brought it up with John Horst and with Justin there for a while, I think you you saw that okay, you had the pieces, right? Mike Budenholzer was a fabulous head coach. So I think that and they were pretty good by the time that happened. So I think you you that's the key. So from the big picture assessment, I, I think things are rosy. Um and that is that you have the leadership, you have the culture, you have the buy-in, you have creativity, the coaching, and you have competitiveness. And at the midseason, we're 22 and 22, which is better than most people expected. I actually, our numbers, I think our, my numbers had us 11th or 10th in the West, which is kind of where we are. I also had Oklahoma City behind us. So, like, tell me what are my numbers? The value of my numbers is maybe zero. Um, and I, so I think that's, that's the big picture. That's really, really good. Now, the next steps of this assessment are, if you look at our foundational pieces or core pieces or, I don't, I don't think they're all necessarily like core pieces, probably. There's three guys that are 25, 26 years old. Lowry Markin and Colin Sexton, John Collins. And I and I, I don't have Simone in that group. Um I put Simone into the kind of the veteran group. Um Simone with his background in in um his age, he's 28, so I don't know why that was the cutoff line, but just I did. So I think there's been some really big positives here as well. Um, don't worry. This is not going to be just a puff piece. Like um, there, there'll be some real honest assessments here coming up. So Lowry's gotten better, which is incredible. Um, 
Last year was his first year as the as the go-to guy. He became an all-star, became an all-star starter after by the end of it. And he has proven that there was not a single aspect of that that was a fluke. He's literally has the exact same numbers he had a year ago in a circumstance that I think is far more difficult. He is shooting instead of 49.9, he's shooting 49.6. Instead of shooting 39.1 from three, he's shooting 39.3. His Effective field goal percentage is actually up from 58.6 to 59.4. His free throw shooting is from 87.5 to 87.4. His rebounds are from 8.6 to 8.9. His assists are from 1.9 to 1.9. It's crazy. And his points are 25.6 to 24. So his points are down a time, but so are his minutes. He's down two minutes a game. He's been great. And he's been better than he was a year ago. He does not have Mike Conley. He did not have Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and some other veterans. He's been playing with a much younger group. He's been playing with a much more uh, inconsistent point guard play. Uh, he has been asked to do much more. He's on the front page of scouting reports even more so than he was a year before. Uh, and he has been absolutely stepped up to the task and, and owned it. Uh, this kid is really, really special. He is probably not a top 10 player in the NBA. He is probably a top 10 athlete in the NBA. He is, he is absolutely the real deal. He is a piece, fa fundamental, foundational piece of a championship team. He has the right attitude. He has the right approach. He has the right professionalism. He has the right will. He's a good teammate. He's incredible athletically. He's incredible hands. He's awesome. He's probably the 23rd, 24th best player in the NBA right now. And the question is whether he, you know, whether he takes another jump on that and, and he's going to work at it because he is, that is what Lowry is. So that, the two biggest wins of the season at the midway point are the big picture and Lowry marketing. Now from there, it gets a little bit more decision-making time uncertainty and part of what is honestly a process of build. It's not all easy answers. And we'll touch on those as we continue here on locked on jazz. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai located at 4646 South state street. Also located in Logan and in Linden Murdoch Hyundai is well, it's a place where I've bought three cars. How's that? Like, I could just go that way. Uh, I love it. The SUV lineup is absolutely fabulous from the Little Kona all the way to the Palisades with the Tucson that I'm driving right now that's just been terrific and the Hunt and the Santa Fe's, which we have bought for each of our children or each of their colleges as we speak right now. We also have the Ionic 5 as one of our cars in our house, the electric award-winning Ionic 5 and the absolutely sporty, gorgeous Ionic 6 available for you as well. It's all at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. If you're going to head over to Murdoch Hyundai, please email me first to get their no regrets experience, but let's give you the special locked-on VIP treatment as well uh, and give it to you uh, for being a locked on every day. So email me at dlock09 at gmail.com if you're going to look for a car. I strongly suggest looking at a Hyundai, then you can decide. But for the dollar and the value and the safety features and all those things, there's not much better on the market than the Hyundais. And over at Murdoch Hyundai.
Today's show is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. If you're a small business owner, it takes a lot of time to do hiring. We know at Locked On, it is a quest all the time of suddenly we have to stop feeling like everything we're doing is a business if we're going to make it higher. So this is where you can take your business to the next level in 2024 with LinkedIn Jobs. They know what success depends on surrounding yourself with winners. And that's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. It's not just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have to make many qualified candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. That's why LinkedIn is number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MBA. That's linkedin.com slash MBA to post your job for free. LinkedIn.com slash locked on. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We greatly appreciate it. We have launched the first ever 24 7 national sports channel on YouTube. It's called Locked On Sports Today. It's also available on Amazon Fire as well as on your News On if you use that app on Roku. Remember, all jazz games available on Sirius XM. Your hometown feed is available for you on Sirius XM each and every game tomorrow. We're in New Orleans. All right. So the next two kind of what I would call core pieces, only really based on age and acquisition and salary, are Colin Sexton and John Collins. And I think Colin Sexton has probably been the biggest discovery of the year. So while the two biggest positives have been the big picture in Lowry Markkinen, the discovery of the season has to be Colin Sexton. Eighth in the NBA in drives, truly one of the most efficient guards in the NBA with an effective field goal percentage of 54.7. He is averaging 17 points a game. For the more recently, that number's up at about 21-22. And while, yes, I think a lot of people talked about late game, his lack of size, and some of those kind of things that happened against Houston exposed, I think that's probably true. I don't know that I think he's your starting shooting guard on a really, really good team, but he is a piece of a really, really good team. I'm very comfortable saying that. The fact that he's upped his threes to four a game and is shooting 38%. The fact that he is going to the free throw line an impressive 4.7 times per game. Those are the pieces of an offensive star. He is an elite offensive player in the NBA. And there is a point where he may be coming off your bench at, at six foot one, six foot two, he obviously it's a big running joke that he plays bigger. His assist rate is at 26% this year. It's never been higher. It was literally 14 and 15 his first two years in the NBA. This guy is making massive progress um, to what he's doing as a player. His He's in the 83rd percentile in points per shot attempt um, while simultaneously being the 88th percentile in usage. Uh, bonafide. Colin Sexton. I think, now we'll see if somebody else thinks so at the trade deadline and offers you something that is absolutely out of, you know, that you have to think of. I think Colin Sexton, you've got yourself on this contract, on where he is. I think he's proven to himself that when you start piecing together your puzzle pieces moving forward, this is one who's involved with it. That he, his rim finishing is elite at 68% for a guy whose size, um, and his three-point shooting, which is actually heavily based on his corner three-point shooting, probably could get a little better. His off-the-bounce shooting is not the greatest thing in the whole world. Um, but he, 
he's and he's and he's small, but his defensive energy and tenacity and will are positive things to have on your basketball floor. Okay, we're not good when he's on the floor defensively. That's true, um, and that might be why being six two on a championship level team would be awfully hard for him to be a starting shooting guard. Um, however. That also might stem back to what the size of, you know, what's the size of your point guard? Like if you have a six, six point guard, well, then you can slop those two, flip those two around and figure it out. The third one in this group is John Collins. And there has definitely been an uptick in John Collins play uh, as of late. It was really a struggle early on to kind of figure out how to get him comfortable, what he was going to do. When John Collins came to the jazz, the assessment I got from people around the league is he was just truly an incredibly athletic, skilled tweener. And um, and and that is that at 6'9", he's probably best offensively as a center because he can roll and space for you. But, off, but defensively, he really has to play a four because he just doesn't have the capability to be a rim defender despite his incredible athleticism. Um, and that I actually has turned out to be one of the best assessments that I've heard from anyone on John Collins. Um, you know, there is a point where you've been in the league for six years and, and teams kind of, they have, they have figured. And as we moved him to center, he's been, be- the team has been much better with him on the floor. He had a terrible run of really negative plus minuses going there for a while. And they and that's been rectified a little bit by how, how they found a way to use him as the center on this team. He's not a passer. His assist rate is at 5.4%. Um, he's not been really wildly efficient this year. His points per scoring attempt are right at league average. They're da- way, way down from his days in Atlanta when he was, um, you know, such a efficient offensive player. Uh, we have not been as good with him on the floor defensively. That's a little bit of a tough thing because Walker's the one who plays the other minutes. So I think that's a little misleading. Um, for John, but it's been pretty dramatic. We're nine points better defensively when he's off the floor than on the floor this year. And the team shoots six percentage points higher. But uh, in defensive, John, that's never was the case in Atlanta. So I think that has a little bit to do with the fact that Walker is the other center. Um, so John's been, you know, a, a, a definitely a talent upgrade from kind of nothing, right? We, that's what we we paid for him. He's helped the team a great deal in this recent win streak. He's 26 years old. He's on a moderate contract. Um, and I, I think you're still trying to figure out how to best figure out what his, what his role is in and how he fits and, um, and where it goes. I, I don't think that answer has been clear. Whereas Colin, I think has really taken this jump where you're like, okay, that's a piece. I don't think John's as clear, um, at this point, but the trending certainly has been better recently with him as we've found a way to use him, um, figure out what can be better. His plus minus has been um, dramatically better as the team has improved. He's, he's definitely a large part of that. Um, if you go back, even just kind of most recently where we've won five of our, six of our last eight, he's shooting 60% from the field um, and averaging 14 points and six rebounds a game. It's really been a nice stretch for him. If you back it up, even to like the last 10 games um, or 12 games, he's averaging 14 points and six rebounds and shooting 57%, just 29% from three um, in that stretch. Um, so we'll see how that one plays out. I think that one's still kind of undefined. On the kids or the, the developmental pieces, it, it's it's super interesting right now. So there's six of them in my mind. There's Kessler, Keontae, Ochai, 
I put into this group, but he's he's pretty he's 23. Um Lucas Samanich I put in this group because he's 20, just turned 24. He's the exact same age as Ochai. Taylor Horton Tucker's 23, and then Taylor Hendricks is is 17 or 19. Excuse me. Um, and Bryce Sensabaugh probably should be in that group too, but we just honestly haven't seen enough Bryce Sensabaugh to give much of an evaluation on it. So let me start with Walker. Um, his defense is truly amazing. Uh, he is one of the most impactful, and particularly now he comes off the bench and plays bench players, he is truly one of the most impactful offensive, defensive players in the NBA. And so this kid has a piece. There are a few things here where he's still got to get a lot better. His body has got to develop into a stronger, bigger force. He's he's basically undermanned every night physically right now. When you go up against Zubak and Jokic and Valanchunas tomorrow and um, even Isaiah Harkenstein's bigger than his. He needs to actually look at Isaiah Harkenstein and figure out if he can become like an Isaiah Harkenstein player um, right now. Uh, in the last rankings, I think uh, he was in in – the ringer, I think he made the top 100. It made him the 22nd ranked center in the NBA. Um, and I actually thought the ranking might be a little generous. So there's just, he's he's really doing great things, but there's still a long way to go. Um, he's got to get to a point. Two things. We can't be playing five on four on offense when he's on the floor. He's got to find a way, whether it's sliding down the baseline, dunking, whether it's catching and making plays, whether his hands have got to get stronger right now. He's getting it ripped a decent amount. Um, again, defensively, he's unbelievably elite, but we've got to find a way for him to be successful offensively. I mean, it was interesting. If you kind of go back and rewatch that overtime, like it was all the best and worst of Walker against Houston where like he, he's able, he makes some defensive plays on Shangun and then he commits an offensive foul on a pick and then he gets an and one on the other side defensively. It, you know, it still shows he's 22 years old and developing against Shingun's only 21. Shingun's just way better than he is. Like, Shingun's awesome. Um, so I think that's it. The other one is, like, quite honestly, this free throw thing is real. Like, this is the he's went three of six down a lot stretch his last five games. I mean, it's been going on for a long, but last five games, he's now six of 16. Like, it just cannot become a bugaboo for him. Like, this is kind of the big, like, ugly white elephant behind his development that is, like, that has got to get to a point where it doesn't impact the rest of your game or impact how we can play. Um, but I think Walker, so, you know, Walker is developing as a 22nd pick of the draft. He's one of the elite defensive players in the league, which is awesome. And he's got to find a way to, to, to improve his body, his physical skills. And then also, like, our pick and roll game is terrible. Like, I think at one point this year, Keontae and Taylor Horton Tucker were the last two guards in pick and roll efficiency, and somewhat that's on them, but it's also the combination of everything, right? We've got to get a pick and roll game with Walker we just don't have right now. Um, so that would be the developmental piece on Walker. All right, we'll touch on Keontae, Ochai, some of the other young guys, and the veterans as we continue here on the mid-season assessment of, of the Utah Jazz here on Locked on Jazz. Today's episode or the upcoming ep uh, segment of Locked on Jazz is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp, convenient, flexible online therapy. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. I like to think about therapy as performance enhancing. So 
if you have some things in life that are causing you problems, that you're wondering why you keep getting the same binds, why am I in this quagmire again? Why did I destroy another relationship? Woohoo, me when I was single. Um, why, you know, what what are the things that are causing me to do these things? Um, then this is where I think you therapy can be really, really, really valuable to you. And it can perform enhance your performance. Um, BetterHelp is completely online, incredibly convenient. You're designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time uh, for no additional charge. So celebrate the progress you make with therapy by and become a um, you know better human, better person to be around, better enjoyment for your own self. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. Get 10% off your first month. BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. Today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. FanDuel, all sorts of fun and exciting things for you at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, you can take lines of the future of the NBA. You can take NFL championship games. What are the opening lines on the two NFL championship games? The Ravens are three and a half favorites over the Chiefs. And the Niners are a six and a half point favorite over the Detroit Lions, plus all sorts of other fun Things there tonight, the Bucs and the Pistons play, and as expected, the Bucs are a 12-point favorite over the Detroit Pistons. NBA Finals right now, I would assume the Boston Celtics still the best odds at plus 300. Denver's at plus 430. Milwaukee's at plus 440. The Clippers at plus 950, and the 76ers are at plus 1,200 with the Suns. To make the playoffs, you could bet whether you think your Utah Jazz are going to make the playoffs, I think. And the Jazz to make the playoffs right now are plus 710 and no is minus 1300. That's all over at FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. And here's a great opportunity for you from FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to make your first bet a layup. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Thanks so much for making LockedOn Jazz your first listen today. All right, let's get to Keontae and Ochai. So... I'm going to be totally honest. I think Keontae's hit the wall. I hope he's hit the wall because I saw three things that I really didn't like this week. And I'm going to hope, and I'm going to probably be overplaying them and being too worried about Keontae on this, but I I will share with you in all honesty. So one was in a key play of the game the other night, he high-stepped it up the outside of the sideline. Maybe he's just playing. Um. And maybe I'm old school, but I didn't need it. Pretty big play. It was unnecessary. Maybe it gets him in a rhythm. I don't know his game that well. Seems really minor, but to me, it was like a looseness. And considering that once a night, he's throwing a pass cross court that gets intercepted for a dunk, that looseness linked over to me. Number two was the other night he ran a play and he lofted a pass over to the right wing and he lollygagged a jog cut to the corner. And he didn't play the second half. And I'm glad. I don't know. Right? I don't know. He's not playing hard. 
And the third one, and again, you can all decide I'm overplaying this, was when after he lollygagged the cut, Aaron Holiday came in the game and was like, oh, this kid doesn't play hard. And Aaron Holiday punked him and stole it from him at 93 feet, laid it up, and then came back and ran right up his chest. And honestly, blast him. Like, it was a little bit of the Delonte West finger-in-the-ear of Gordon Hayward moment to me. I think he's mentally hit the rookie wall. Um, But I would like to see him play harder. And if you don't play hard in this league, you're not going to make it. The other thing is the ball needs to go in. He's shooting 37% from the field and 33% from three. The kid's terrifically skilled. Don't misunderstand. And I've said this a hundred times. I don't ever think rookies are good. I don't expect them to be good. I don't expect them to help you to win. They never do. It's brutally hard in this league. And like, I will never evaluate a rookie based on their numbers, their fresh, their rookie year and say yes or no. Like, right. Durant shot 41%. LeBron shot 42. They turned out to be two of the top 10 offensive players in the history of the game. So, I'm not like saying he's shooting 37, 33 and being like panic, but I'd like to see the ball going. The track record of guys who shoot below 40 and below 33% from three in their career in the rookie year is not good. Like that's kind of a benchmark level. So there's a little bit of that, but the bigger picture to me is I think he's hit the rookie wall. I, and I, and I'm curious to watch when he comes out of it. He's not, he's making shots. Um, which is fine. Like he's actually making his three at a much higher level, which is really exciting. Cause I just said, he's got to make shots. So like, let's give him credit for that. Like, I think he's, I think if I looked at it last night, I think he's eight of his last 21 from three, which is terrific. Um, he was going to the free throw line a lot. He has not gone to the free throw line. His minutes are way down. I think Will's seen the same thing that I'm talking about. Um, we're minus 24 with him on the floor in the last 24 minutes. He's been on the floor. Like, I think he just is fried. So we'll see. Still a long way to go in the process, but that is not going to be a linear train. He's the 16th pick of a draft. Um, he could be really, really good one day. He's got a lot of skills and a lot of gumption, and he understands the game. And he likes the game, and he's into it. I just think he's completely crashed against the rookie wall right now and somehow needs a, a mental break. I think one of the great things that happened this year is he got hurt, so he got out of the starting lineup. I was a little concerned of where his trajectory in the starting lineup because I thought it was a lot. Ironically enough, his last one of his last games in the starting lineup, he scored 30 points. But it was in a blowout against Oklahoma City. On Ochai, kind of the same thing is true. Like the ball's got to go in. Ochai's, I think, interesting, and I talked to Ochai about this the other day, is that I actually think since his shot has gone awry, he's really struggling on, on the corner three. He's the best in the NBA for a long time. I actually feel like the rest of his game has gotten a bit better. Like he's driving to the basket. He's he's creating opportunities for his teammates. He's not just on the outside. However, there are like some like kind of minor like things that have to like if you're going to evaluate Ochai, he's getting older at 23 years old. Like he doesn't rebound much and he doesn't go to the free throw line hardly at all. He's like I don't think he's had more than one trip to the free throw line in more than I think the my memory is that the other night he went to the free throw line twice in a game. Or actually, I'll rephrase that. He took three free throws against Oklahoma City. It was the first time all year he taken three free throws in a game. 
He doesn't rebound a great deal. The other night he played 13 minutes. He had 0.0 rebounds, 0 assists, 0 steals, 3 blocks. 3 blocks were awesome. So there's still a lot to go with Ochai's development of whether or not he's really a rotation player in the NBA. His three-point shooting, which was really, really good, is now in a really big slump, and he's at 33% for three for the year. So it's, he's just the ball's got to go back in again. I think it will, but it's he it's been a pretty big slump for about the last 15 games for Ochai, where I think he's shooting like 11% from three over the last 12 games. I think he's like two of his last 23 on corner threes. So ball's got to go in. Um, I'll tell you what, on Taylor, I'm not totally door shut. I, I've got the shows getting long. Taylor, the door's not getting cl- shut closed yet. I think there's actually some still skills there. The way the season played out, um, and obviously we've played better since he went off the floor, which is hard to deny. I still think there's some skills there. I know some scouts around the league are, think he's expert. Lucas Samanich, I wouldn't close the door on either. He just hasn't gotten time. He's the exact same age as Talon and Ochai. Um, his body is, like, unbelievable. He's 6'10", 227 pounds. Um, he's, I, I do wonder if he got 15 minutes a night, what would happen with him. Like, he right now plays two and three minute stints every now and then I think there's an incredible amount of pressure on him to make plays. I don't know how he ever gets 15 minutes a night, but I do think it would be really, really interesting. Taylor Hendricks too early to evaluate, but everything kind of using him G league, getting him his minutes is, has been a vibe. And then on Clarkson done. Alinek and Simone. I just, cause I'm now rushed to finish this up. I think the key, I think the most interesting one is Simone. Simone's really had a breakthrough year. Jordan at 31 years old, Kelly at 32 years old are kind of who they are. Dunn at 29 years old has proven like his value. Um, in regards to trade deadline, like, I, you know, it's unlikely that Kelly Olenek's going to be with us at 35 or Jordan's going to be with us at 35 or Dunn's going to be with us at 33 or 34. Like if something off is offered at the trade deadline for those guys, it makes sense. That helps us possibly in June of 2018 or 2019. I, I think you have to really, Consider it if you're the Jazz. There's also, you know, you know, some aspect of I think there's got to be some evaluation of like what's the best usage of minutes for this franchise heading down the final 38 game, 30 games of the year. Like who's who's the best players to be using those minutes to be the best that we could possibly be in 20 in 2028, 2029, while still being competitive in the culture that we talked about to open the show. But I think Simone's really interesting. Probably should talk about it more, but I I, you know, I don't think, I don't know that he's, he's been starting. I think he's wearing down. I don't know that he's a starter, but I, I do think at six eight two oh nine with his professionalism, how hard he plays a 40% three point shooter. To me, that's a, that's a piece of a puzzle to me that I would want to hold on to, um, who could pl- give me 22, 24 minutes of really solid time each and every night. So I don't know where that takes us. I mean, I think just to sum it up, like I think the biggest things, the biggest positive have been the big picture, competitiveness, culture, finding new things, playing the right way, developing talent. Lowry is certainly everything we thought. I think Colin and Simone have really, really stepped forward. And I think youth development's hard. And Walker and Keontae and Ochai have got a long way to go. And I just wouldn't totally, and Taylor, we just don't, and Bryce, we don't know about yet. And I just wouldn't totally shut the door on Samanich and Horton Tucker yet. 
And on the veterans, I think they've been great. Like the culture of the team is fabulous. They've led the team in the right ways. And I think Simone has been the biggest takeaway there. That is it. That is Locked on Jazz today. Hope you're doing great. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you. It's time now to send you over to the first ever 24-7 national sports stream. Locked on sports today. Back with you tomorrow from New Orleans. Have a good one.